0: What's up 1130, how you guys doing today? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coastal Community Church. Hey, listen, if if you're out there and there's some open seats, if you wouldn't mind sliding in, there's still people that are out in the foyer. We want to try to get as many people in here as possible as we can, Uh, which kind of leads me to this thing. I mean, wasn't worship incredible today? Did you guys enjoy that? Like, incredible, incredible, incredible. uh, Very cool thing. We can't wait to see what God is going to do on our worship night. Uh, But as you can kind of see, like, you guys are doing an incredible, incredible job inviting your friends and your family your co-worker, and uh, to church, and so we appreciate that, Uh, but we're also starting to run out of room in the majority of our services, so starting next weekend. Everybody say next weekend. Next weekend, weekend we start our 1245 service, and so, yeah, and so some of you, uh, maybe maybe you want to go to that service. Listen, uh, our, our 1015 service and our 1130 service right now are pretty much at capacity, and we have a mission as our church. I'm to, the, if you're our guest here, please, you can come to 1130. So you can come whatever service you want. But if you call Coastal Home, uh, as your pastor, I'm going to ask a favor of you. Uh, because we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. That's the mission of what we're all about. Uh, and if you're a part of our church and you want to be a part of that mission, if you could help us out and go to Saturday. Well, if you can go to like 4... 30 on Saturday night, 6.15 is already full. If you can go to 9 a.m., 9 a.m. is not quite full yet, or if you can go to 12.45, you would help us out big time because the majority of people that are coming to check out God, you know what service they come to? 10.15 and 11.30. And if we're about reaching people for Jesus, right? Right? This is just real talk right here. Real talk. Like we got to make options available for them. And so if if you could help us out, I know it's an inconvenience, but Jesus went to a cross, we can go to a different service. I mean, when you compare those two, it's like, okay, I mean, gosh, I'm going to miss the first quarter of the Dolphins game. They're going to lose. Okay. It's okay. I just gave you the score. Okay. They're down about 45, nothing right now. So to a team that hasn't won either. Anyways, uh, <laughs> anyways, hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Now that I just greeted you that way, it's great. Uh, we started this series called The Comeback last week. And uh, this is why I'm excited about this series because I don't believe that you're ever too far gone, that you've ever hit too low of a low, that you've ever experienced a setback that is so bad that God can't do super something supernatural within you and help you. Have a comeback in your life. And it got me thinking about um, a 20th century poet that was absolutely incredible. In fact, he changed generations with his lyrical ability to connect with generations, young and old, rich and poor, in ways that people could never even fathom were possible. And one of his most famous poems started with this line. He said, it was all a dream. If you don't know who that poet is, his name is Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. Notorious B.I.G., Big Papa. And I love it when you call me Big Papa, Though your hands in the air. like That was a different one of his songs. But this poem was, he started with, it was all a dream. And I thought, how apropos, because how many of our lives all start with a dream? Every single one of us walked in here with a dream, with a desire, with an outlook on life. Uh, we, we had a dream for our marriage that we would love our spouse all the days of our life and that we would be able to communicate in clear and concise ways that would connect us. All of us have some dreams when it comes to our body. Some of us are still waiting for that dream body. Anybody else <laughs> with me? I'm, I'm waiting on that. It has not manifested itself yet. Uh, I wish it would hurry up and do that. Anybody else with me? It's like Please, Jesus, come right now. Some of us, we, we had some dreams when it came to our career. We, we, we're believing that we're going to rise and we're going to climb the corporate ladder and we're eventually going to sit on top and it's going to be amazing and it's going to be excellent. Other of us, others of us have some dreams when it comes to our finances that we're going to acquire a lot. That's pretty much the dream right there. <laughs> and we all have dreams. And then we have reality. And a lot of us have experienced reality in life. And the problem is, is that dream, when it hits reality, a lot of times it becomes a nightmare, doesn't it? Because it doesn't look anything like the dream. We have this picture, and we're getting this. And we're like, those two things don't correlate at all. And so a lot of us are going through some nightmare scenarios in life. And we're wondering, man, how are we going to move forward? And, and, And it's because we're experiencing a setback in our life. We've gotten knocked off the paradigm of where we thought we were going to be. Now we're living with the reality of where we currently are. Now here's the thing that I've learned about dreams is every dream takes some time and has a process. And a lot of times part of the process of having a dream fulfilled is you suffering a setback in life usually it's a pretty drastic setback it's a setback that that pushes you to a limit that you never experienced that you never want to experience and part of the problem with that is is that we live in a society and a culture today where we want instantaneous everything so we want our dream right now and if we take a setback we better step right back in and we better step right ahead further than we ever were before and the problem is is that's not how life works that's not how the process works because God has developed a process for everything. And if we're willing to walk through the process, we will eventually get to the promotion. The problem is, is we want the promotion without the process. And God is all about the development of our souls, the development of our character, the development of our integrity, and we're all about the development of our dream. And God is trying to get us to see that there is something bigger that is there that we've got to understand and that we've got to see so that we can realize that God is trying to do something within us so that when we suffer that setback, we can realize that it's just a setup for the comeback that God wants to do in our life. And the person that is going to inspire us with that today is a guy named Joseph. And uh, Joseph is going to teach us a really, really critical lesson that I think is going to prove... For every single one of us the thing that God is going to speak to us today, and it's this, and I actually put it in your notes that are sitting on every single one of your chairs. I'll put it like this. What Joseph is going to teach us is what happens inside of you is way more important than what's happening to you. What's happening inside of you right now in this season, in this setback, in this downturn, in this detour that you're on is way more important than the detour that's happening in you, the setback that's happened around you. It's way more important. And if we'll allow God to do the internal work within us, then we'll re- recognize that when the external work comes, we'll actually be ready for it. We'll actually be able to sustain that thing in our lives. And, and what he's trying to teach us is, is we have way more control of what's happening within us than what happens around us? Anybody try to control their circumstances? Yeah. How well has that worked? Not working. not working. That's right. It's not working, is it? But we do have control of how we respond to every one of our circumstances. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39, we're going to be hanging out there. We're going to study a little bit of the life of Joseph. And Joseph is just like all of us. He's got a dream. And uh, he is a dreamer. In fact, uh, a couple of chapters earlier, at age 17, Joseph actually has a dream. And his dream is this, is that his brothers will bow down and worship him. Some of y'all are like, that's been my dream for my family, too. It's like, my brothers will worship me because I'm all that in a bag of chips. And Joseph has this dream from God. It is not only his brothers that bow down and worship him, but it's also his mother and his father. And Joseph does something that I would not recommend you doing. He shares that dream with them. See, here's what you need to know. The dream that God has put within your heart, not everybody is able to handle that in their life. Because here's what happens. For most people, they've given up on their dreams and you start sharing your dream, you know what they want you to do? They want you to give up on your dream too. They want to discourage you from that thing. They want to keep you from that thing. And so a lot of us, what we need to do is we need to hide those dreams in our heart and go, God, I'm trusting you with these. I'm not going to put my trust of my dream in somebody else's hand that's going to crush it in an instant. And so Joseph shares this dream, and it actually makes his brothers extremely jealous of him. Not only that, but his dad actually loves him way more than all the other brothers. In fact, he shows it to him by buying him a Gucci coat of many colors hooks him up. He the dude is styling and profiling in his house. All the other brothers, they shopped at Walmart. They were ticks, and, uh, and so there, there, there's this dispari- disparity in their relationship that is cultivated by some dysfunctional parenting. Uh, that's a totally different message on a different day. But What ends up happening is because Joseph is the most loved, his brothers hate him. His dad sends him out one day to go check on his brothers who are tending sheep. As they see him coming, the Bible actually says they look and see Joseph come and they say, here comes that dreamer. And they plot and they plan and they end up beating up Joseph. This is their flesh and blood, their brother. They throw him in a pit and they're planning to kill him when they see some traders coming by and they say, hey, instead of killing our brother, let's sell him in slavery. How many of y'all know that's a bad beginning to a life? Some of y'all are like, man, my, my upbringing was so bad. Anybody beaten that? So that's what we're gonna pick up in verse one of chapter 39 of Genesis. It said, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. So at this point, he is a full-blown slave. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, I just want that to sit with you for a moment. Joseph has been betrayed by his family, sold into slavery in the worst situation of his life, probably feels like he's been abandoned by everybody that's ever mattered to him. But yet the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. And I know that some of you feel like, man, you've been thrown into the bottom of a pit, you've been beat up, you've been stomped on, you've been shamed, you've been rejected, you've been sold, you've been, you've been discarded in life. And here's what you need to know today, that the Lord is with you even in that situation. Like he has not rejected you, he has not abandoned you. I know you might perceive that God is nowhere near, but God is right there with you, even though you don't recognize it right now. It says, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Now, you got to imagine, like, in this moment, Joseph has got to want to quit. I don't know about you, but if I was put in this predicament, in this situation, I would have to imagine that Joseph just wants to throw in the towel and, and just give up because he probably thought to himself, man, I was my dad's favorite kid. Like I had the Gucci coat, I had a future, I had a dream, I was given an inheritance. I had all of these things going for me and it was like ripped out of my hand in an instant. Now I'm sold off into slavery. I don't see any hope in my life. It would have been really, really easy for him to give up. But what we see from Joseph's life is that he rises up instead of giving up because he realizes that God can turn your setbacks into a setup that will eventually lead to your comeback if you allow him to do the work within you. And so today we're going to learn a couple of principles from Joseph's life that I think will apply to every single one of our lives if we'll listen and hear them. And the first one is this. Is number one you got to stop pointing fingers. you got to stop pointing fingers because in our society, in our day, in our age, in our culture, the thing that we do is we're pointing fingers. Anytime something bad happens, it's got to be this person's fault. It's got to be that person's fault. It's that group's fault. It's those people's fault. It's the government's fault. It's the president's fault. It's, it's, it's everybody's fault. Why? Because we're good at pointing fingers in shifting responsibility. In fact, I I looked up some of the most frivolous lawsuits that have ever been filed. There's a man named Richard Overton that uh, watched a Budweiser commercial on TV. And in the Budweiser commercial, a guy was just sitting in his home. He drank a Budweiser. All of a sudden, beautiful women appeared and paradise he was in. And he thought to himself, man, I want paradise and beautiful women in my life. So he went to the store, bought some Budweiser, went home, drank the Budweiser. Beautiful women did not appear. He was not in paradise. In fact, he, he got inebriated by the alcohol and he ended up following a lawsuit against Budweiser for false advertising. <laughs> Why? Because it's always somebody else's fault, right? Like this isn't, we all look at that and we're like, that dude is stupid. Like we all know this. But it's always somebody else's fault. If the game isn't going well, we point fingers at the ref. If our job is not going in the direction we want, it's our boss's fault or it's that coworker's fault. If our kids are acting up, it's always our husband's fault. <laughs> Those are your children. <laughs> or the dog's fault. It's, the dog is the. If we're having money problems, it's the economy, it's the IRS's fault. Which it probably is IRS's fault, let's just be honest. (laughs) But we love to point fingers. And here's what I've learned. You never blame your way to a better life. You just don't do it. You might believe your way to a better life. You can inspire your way to a better life. But I've never met anyone that has blamed their way to a better life. In fact, I, I, I think about blaming like this. Blaming is a lot like farting. <laughs> hear me out, okay? Before you judge, hear me out. When you fart, what happens is... <laughs> My wife is so embarrassed right now. <laughs> like, it relieves a little pressure inside of you, right? Like, it, it comforts you in that moment... But it impacts everybody around you. They're like, what is that? Right? Why is that? Because you're shifting it. That was not meant to be funny. You're putting it on, it must be that person's fault, it's that group's fault, it's that government agency's fault, it's our circumstance's fault, it's our situation's fault. And if anybody in life had the right to point fingers, it had to be Joseph. I mean, if anybody could have gone like, man, my life is jacked up and messed up. Like, if there's any reason for anybody to do that, it would have been Joseph. He'd have been like, man, my brother set me up for failure. My brothers gave me a complex that thinking like everybody's out to get me. But you don't see Joseph pointing fingers at anybody. Why? Because when you point fingers, you never rise up in those moments because you're shifting the responsibility of your life onto someone or something else. And whether you recognize it or not, you can't always control your circumstances. You can't control what other people do. But you always have the responsibility of what's going on in your soul. That is no one else's responsibility but yours. And when you go, it's their fault. What you're saying is what I feel internally is dictated and predicated by those people. You're giving up the responsibility that is called your life. Now this isn't a popular message here today because it's easier to shift that blame and that responsibility onto other people, but you are the only one that is responsible for your soul. And listen, I don't want to downplay some things that have happened in some of your lives because I realize that for some of you, you have experienced some ridiculous amounts of injustice. Injustice that should have never come upon your life. And I know lots of people that have suffered injustice and they're like, I want justice. And what they've done is they've gone into the court systems and they fought for justice and they have won justice through the court system. The only problem is, is because they didn't win justice in their heart because they allowed the situation, they allowed themselves to become victimized. They now live live as a victim even though they got justice. Because unless God begins to work in your soul and begins to change you from the inside and allow yourself to be transformed from the inside out, you will continue to be a victim for the rest of your life. And if anybody could have played the victim card, Joseph could have done that. He had been victimized, but he didn't live as a victim. He had been sold as a slave, but he didn't live with a slave mentality. Why? Because he decided like, hey, listen, what happens around me is not going to dictate what happens within me because I believe that God can do a deeper work within my soul and I'm going to allow the God of the universe to come and move in my soul and move in my heart and to move in my mind and to transform me from the inside out. You may have been a victim, but in Christ, you're a victor. You may be uh, uh, failed in life and done all these things and people tell you there's some total of those things. You're not. You're the sum total of what Jesus did on the cross for you and I you may have been told you're a loser but that's not who God says you are he says you're a winner you're the head and not the tail you're above and not beneath and anything you put your hand to you can prosper look in Christ you have a future you have a hope you have a destiny you have a purpose but you have got to fight the internal battle yeah. to sh- from shifting responsibility to other people to go in God I am ridiculously in charge of my soul Nobody else can take control of that unless I give it to them. And God, you're the only one I'm going to give control of my soul to. And I'm going to allow you to heal me from the inside out. And I'm not going to let the circumstances predicate what happens on the inside of me. So how do you turn your setback into a setup that becomes your comeback? Man, you are got to stop pointing fingers. Then what Joseph does is, number two, he, he realizes that there is a buildup to your breakthrough. There is a buildup to your breakthrough in life. And we all love breakthrough stories. In fact, this week there was an incredible, incredible breakthrough story that just happened right this weekend uh, where a guy over in Europe actually ran a marathon in under two hours. First time in the history of humankind that this man ran a marathon in one hour, 59 minutes and 40 seconds. 26.2 miles at an average pace of four minutes and like 36 seconds. How many of y'all can run a mile in four minutes and 36 seconds? Let alone 26 of them in a row. They said it wasn't possible to do. I mean, the breakthrough that this man did this weekend, incredible. What we very seldom think about in that breakthrough is the build-up that led to it, yeah. the pain of the training, the pain of all those runs over and over and over again that led to this incredible moment that we now celebrate that we never thought was possible. Why? Because there is a build-up to your breakthrough. Reminded me of my first record that my parents bought me as a kid. Any, any of you guys remember your first record that you got as a kid? Come on, I know there's some of us that are old enough to, in here to have a record. Okay. My first record that my parents got me was by a, a band called Twisted Sister. Anybody remember Twisted Sister? I don't know what they were thinking. Like, they were like, we own bars and clubs as a family. So I, I guess that's what they were thinking. And uh, if you don't know Twisted Sister, their, their most famous song is, We're not gonna take it. Yeah, yeah, you guys are the best choir of any service right now, <laughs> best choir that we have. And so, so late one night, Shayla was gone. I, I think she was speaking somewhere, and I was sitting at home watching Netflix, and I saw a Twisted Sister documentary on Netflix, and I thought to myself, I'm gonna watch that. I remember Twisted Sister. I want to encourage you, don't watch it. It's terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this, I, so I put it on, and it, it starts off with them at this huge show in London. It was kind of like their breakthrough. Performance And as the concert starts, the screen goes black. And it says 3,267 shows earlier. And it takes them back. Twisted Sister played 3,267 shows before they ever signed their first record deal. You would think that after 3,267 shows, they would have been a heck of a lot better. (laughs) But think about that. They played 3,267 shows in dive bars, in venues where people didn't show up, in places where they probably paid people so they could perform. You don't think about all, all the moments at, at show 1,000 where they're like, man, are, are we ever going to make it? Yeah. At show 2,000, like, man, there's probably a lot of infighting in the middle of that. Like, you need to sing better. Well, you need to learn how to play your guitar. You know, like, you have no idea the buildup that was there. 3,267 shows to get the breakthrough. Where they finally experience this moment where they become a multi-platinum selling artist. I think it's a spiritual principle as well. There is a build up to the breakthrough. It's what we're reading about here in Joseph's life. In verse 5 it says, From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. Now let me just stop right there. Because I know some of you are in a moment where you've been set back, where you're in a terrible place. Do you believe that God can actually be using your life and your story to be making a difference in other people's lives right now? Like God could actually be using the story that you're writing right now to actually be blessing people around you without you even recognizing it. Like he could be using your gifts and your talent and your development that you're not seeing because you're so far back to be blessing those around you and making an impact in their lives today. It says all of his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and his livestock flourished. All of a sudden, there's there's some buildup happening. There's some positivity happening. There's some, some things that are going on. And the entire time, Joseph could have been walking around going, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. But that's not what he's doing. What he's doing is he's saying, hey, listen, God, whatever you put in front of me, I'm going to be faithful with whatever opportunity you give me, I'm going to take advantage of in this moment. I'm not going to look at what I don't have. I'm going to look at the opportunity of what I do have, and I'm going to take advantage of it. And I'm going to do my best. I'm going to bring my best to this situation. And listen, guys, if you want to see your setback turn into a setup that eventually becomes your comeback, it happens when you realize that there is a buildup to your breakthrough. And some of you, you're right now, you're praying, God, give me a breakthrough. Breakthrough in this area of my life. Breakthrough in my finances. Breakthrough in, in my marriage. Breakthrough in, in my career. But until that breakthrough happens, allow God to build you up. Amen. Yeah. Because for some of you, if you got that breakthrough right now, it would break you. <laughs> yeah. I'm for real. Look at all the lottery winners that are out there. Yeah. Right? What happens? Somebody, I won $10 million, but they never learned how to budget. Within 10 years, they're broken in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the My Lottery story on Whatever TV channel that is. You'll watch it over and over again. Why? Because they got a breakthrough before they were ready. So you got to let God build you up in this season and realize that, that what you're going through is the build-up season. Here's what I know is in the middle of the build-up season, it sucks. It's hard. It's difficult. Every time you take a step forward, it seems like two steps back. In the buildup season, it seems like, man, I'm never getting to the place where I want to be and everything, every time I'm about to take that step that's going to be my breakthrough, it just doesn't work out. And Joseph's life teaches us a principle that every single one of us have got to recognize is this, is that you don't give up in your buildup season. You don't give up when people are hating on you. You don't give up when your friends and your family are backstabbing you. You don't give up when it's hard. You don't give up when it's difficult. You don't give up when your emotions are running rampant in your life. You don't give up when it seems like there's more weight than you can handle. You don't give up. In fact, some of you, you came to church here today just to hear this. Don't give up. Because if you don't give up, you will reap a harvest of blessing in your life. And those aren't my words. Those are God's words. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. God actually says this. He says, so let's not get tired of doing what's good. And some of y'all, you woke up this morning and you're tired. You're like, Pastor DJ, I'm so tired. You drank six cups of coffee, came here, got some espresso shots, and you're still like, I'm dragging. says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good because at just the right time. What time? Come on, what time? What time is that? uh, Yeah. The right time, like, have you noticed it's not your time? It's not my time. If it was my time, I'd be like 1230 tomorrow. Y'all are going to get hooked up. Just remember me. No. <laughs> the right time, which is God's time, which we don't know that time. We don't know exactly when that moment is going to be that the buildup enough has occurred within us that we can handle the breakthrough. But it says that at just the right time, we will reap, and I would submit to you that you will reap, a harvest of blessing. Anybody want to harvest a blessing? Some of y'all are like, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds better than what I'm getting right now. <laughs> that word blessing literally means God's divine favor. I don't know about you, but I could use some of God's divine favor in my marriage right now. fix, Shayla. Use God's divine favor in my finances. I could use God's divine favor in my, in my walk with him. But here's the qualification. It says, if we don't up the qualification to you experiencing the build up to the breakthrough is if you don't give up don't quit don't check out too many people break faith right before the breakthrough and listen i know it's difficult and i know it feels meaningless and it feels endless but your build up it's happening so that God can help you experience a breakthrough. He's trying to position you right now in your life and build you internally that you can sustain that thing that he's trying to do in your life. Which leads me to the third principle, number three. How you steward the mundane is what will create the memorable. How you steward the mundane, the ordinary, the normal, the everyday things is what is eventually going to create the memorable in your life. In verse 6, it says, So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. So what does that mean? Joseph was in charge of the lawn care. Joseph was in charge of the dishes. He's in charge of the laundry. He's in charge of cleaning the house. Well, those don't sound like really awesome things, Pastor TJ. No, they were the ordinary things. They were the normal things of life. Because how you steward the mundane, the everyday things, how you're faithful in those things is what will eventually create the memorable in your life. It continues on and it says this. It says, with Joseph there, he, meaning Potiphar, didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Sounds like a pretty sweet deal for Potiphar. He's like, hey, I'm going to worry about delivery dude's orders and you take care of everything else, Joseph. And Joseph took whatever responsibility was given his way, and he's like, hey, I'm going to steward this as if this was mine. Like, as if this was my house, this is how I would handle it. This is how I would care for it. This is how I would love it. This is what I would do in life. And all of a sudden, God is blessing Joseph like crazy. He's rising in power within, Pharaoh, or, uh, within Potiphar's house. And as he's rising in power... Potiphar's wife, Potiphar, takes notice of Joseph. And she sees the Bible actually says that Joseph was handsome and good-looking, probably bald and wearing a camo jacket back in the day. I mean, just just had swag. You know, it just, y'all are laughing too hard right there. Take it easy on your pastor. And she sees Joseph, and she's like, hey, Joseph, call me. You know, she's, she's spitting some game on Joseph. The Bible actually says she goes to Joseph, and she says, come sleep with me. Desperate housewives of Egypt before it ever came to America. Some of y'all think the Bible is boring. Man, there is some crazy stuff that was happening in this book. Y'all just need to get in and read it. It changed your life. And Joseph, because how you steward the mundane creates the memorable, this is how he responds in verse 9. He says, no one here has more authority than I do. He, meaning Potiphar, has held nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Here's a guy who people all throughout his life have been not been faithful to. And yet, in that moment, he goes, man, I'm a steward of this. I'm going to be faithful to what God called me to do. And you're his wife, not mine, and so I'm going to abstain from that. And so what does she do? She makes an accusation against Joseph and gets him sent to prison. And you're like, TJ, I thought this was a story about your setbacks, coming to set-ups to a comeback. And it sounds like he just had a setback again. He does. Why? Because there's a build-up to your breakthrough. And in prison, Joseph does the same thing that he did when he was sold into slavery. He doesn't point fingers. He doesn't put blame to anybody else out there. But he takes personal responsibility and goes, man, I'm going I'm to become the best man that I can become in this prison. I may be a prisoner behind bars, but I'm not a prisoner in my heart. He said, man, I'm going to take this season. I'm going to use it to build me up because I know eventually my breakthrough is going to come. And he, is, he stewards the mundane. He's given authority. He's given opportunity. He, and he rises up in power again. Why? Because Joseph is trying to teach us that your repetition that you do constantly in life is building your reputation. See, what you do consistently every day in the little things is the thing that is building your reputation, not just for today, but for every day. And some of us are like, well, I I started doing this. Well, that hasn't built a reputation yet because you've not done it in repetition. Some of us, we need to not just do it one time, but a hundred times or a thousand times. Why? Because how you steward the mundane is what is going to create the memorable. And some of you right now, you're praying for more. You're like, God, give me more. God, give me more money. Give me more money so I can, I can have more things. And God's going, well, what are you doing with the money I already gave you? Oh, I see you're spending that at a Starbucks when you should be saving it. Why would I give you more? God, I I want a new, a better, a more lucrative career. And God's like going, hey, how are you doing in the career you have right now? Are you giving your boss your best every single day? Are you showing up doing more than is asked? Are you being faithful with the responsibility that you have? Are you the best employee there? Why would I give you a better job when you won't even fulfill this job? God, I want a bigger house How are you taking care of the house you have? Well, I don't have a house. I live in an apartment. Are you the best tenant of that apartment that they've ever seen? Because how you steward the mundane is what's going to create the memorable. And Joseph is faithful in every single one of those situations. And yes, he is sold as a slave. Yes, he ends up in Potiphar's house working. Yes, he ends up in prison. But during prison, he rises to a level. And eventually, there's a dream by Pharaoh that Joseph goes, hey, I can take care of that. And because he's built a reputation through his repetition, he's given the opportunity to interpret this dream, interprets a dream. Pharaoh says, man, you're the man. I'm going to put you in some power because you've been faithful in power everywhere you've been. He becomes the second in command in all of Egypt. And there's a famine in the land. And lo and behold, 12 Israelite brothers and their parents come to get some food from this guy that is the second in command in Egypt. And part of the aspect of getting the food is they would come in and they would bow before this man, submitting themselves to him, which is exactly the dream that Joseph had 33 years prior. See, we don't like timelines on things because that means that we might have to wait. See the buildup for Joseph to his dream was brutal. But the breakthrough, the breakthrough was beautiful. Because he not only saved his family, but he has saved an entire nation. And maybe today you're going through some difficult moments. You're going through some setbacks in life. I believe that this is a season where God is trying to set you up, to build you up, not externally, but internally. So that you can experience a comeback that will be bigger and better and sweeter than you could ever imagine. But it's all about how he's developed you internally. Internally. With your heart and with your character, with your integrity, with your work ethic, so that you can sustain the capacity of the dream that He has for every single one of your lives. Would you guys bow your heads with me here today? Maybe you're here today and you're going, man, Pastor TJ, you don't know how far I've been set back. Listen, it's never too late. We've never gone too far to have a comeback in life. But I believe that God is speaking to some of our hearts in here today. Because for a long time, we've been shifting responsibility onto people and places and things. Because of what has happened to us when the reality is is we've got to take responsibility of what's happening within us. And some of us today, we need to, we need to lay down some of those Those things that have been in our hearts, that have been keeping us from moving forward in life because we've been holding other people and other things responsible for what's happening inside of us. And today we need to say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of those things. I need to lay those things at your feet. I'm going to take responsibility for what I can take responsibility for, for. And that's what's happening inside of me. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would just move in people's hearts and begin to do a work in there, begin to eradicate those emotions, begin to decimate those feelings that have held them back for so long. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would start of to reveal things in people's lives that they never experienced before. That they didn't even recognize that we're hindering them from moving forward in life and, and getting into the build-up that God has for them so that they could eventually experience the breakthrough that they need to experience. But what I also know is that there's some people in here that as we talked about, the fact that there was a God that was with Joseph, you feel like you've been abandoned, that you're all alone, that you've, you've never known or experienced a relationship with the creator of the universe who loves you so much that he was willing to set up the biggest buildup so that you could have a breakthrough in your life. And that buildup was sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this planet to live a sinless life, to die a sinner's death that every single one of us in here should have experienced but he said you know what i'll let him build it i'll let him take on every amount of sin every amount of shame every amount of beating so that there could be a breakthrough through the cross death and resurrection of jesus so that you and i could experience life and life more abundantly it's an internal abundance and maybe you're here today and you go pastor i i've never experienced that before and i need to I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm talking about a relationship with the creator of the universe. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you just slip your hand up on the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip it up. I see hands going up all over the place.